0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. work prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David.
2: David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me.
3: But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint?
1: David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development,
4: Welcome to Fitness Disrupted, a production of iHeartRadio. I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted Mega Study. I've brought you dozens and dozens and dozens of studies over hundreds and hundreds of episodes so far. This is my first mega study for you, and this is so cool. (laughs) This is so cool. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for myself. I so enjoyed reading this study and breaking it down so you don't have to be bored with all of the boredom (laughs) that comes with it for the average person, but this has it all, people, exercise and motivation behavioral change and we can't be successful in exercise and nutrition and being healthy if we don't look at behavioral change and it's so infrequently talked about and when it is talked about i would argue it's in the wrong ways and there's a reason for that there's a reason for that with research you know Science is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition and motivation. These are three areas that are difficult
5: to study. It's it's not simple. They're difficult to
4: study. They're small sample sizes for the most part. Exercise, nutrition even, motivation. Oftentimes, they're college-age people. Because those are the the people available to be part of these research studies, often done, obviously, uh, by university professors, researchers, oftentimes affluent, oftentimes white. You know, there are limitations. And then there's the bias of the the researcher. So many different things. And the sample size. This one is huge. This one had over 60,000 people. And what I love, again, is that it's the combination of exercise and behavior, behavioral science. But there's limitations to this
5: one, as I will discuss. But it's cool. And in the end, all of these podcasts
4: will have takeaways that we learn from where you can have even more information, even more insight into how to Do what you need to do to make behavioral change. As I'll talk about at the outro, at the very end of this podcast, the takeaways. So we're going to look at it. I'll break it down for you. Give you the particulars of it. Super cool. And then we're going to be a little smarter and a little better able to figure out our programs. Because there's no one way, people. I will hammer that home over and over again. There's no one way. And my final two takeaways on two things we got to stop looking at, because <laughs> uh, it ain't working, people, let's be honest. That I think is going to be really valuable. All right. So this study just came out, Nature, December 2021, titled Mega Studies Improve the Impact of Applied Behavioral Science. They looked at over 60,000 people. Where did they find 60,000 people to be part of a study? Well, they were all members of 24-Hour Fitness. I wonder if any of you, did uh, listen, let me know if any of you actually were part of this. Good chance, 60,000 people, 24-Hour Fitness, And that was where they got these participants. And to be precise, 61,293 gym members. They also had, because there was kind of many parts, but two major parts to the study, 30 prominent scientists from 15 different universities. And they used over 50 different motivational interventions as part of this mega study. And again, human behavior, especially <laughs> why we exercise and to get that change is really hard to study. It's really hard. And so this mega study involved numerous parallel randomized controlled trials testing different hypotheses.
5: Okay. All at once. With the same outcome variable, and it sounds confusing, but
4: there's a lot going on. They didn't just look at one thing. They had a bunch of different interventions, trying out a bunch of different behavioral, potential behavioral modifications to help people get to the gym to see what worked. Okay, I'm making it sound more confusing than it needs to be so let's take a quick break when we come back right into the particulars of it mega studies improve the impact of applied behavioral science bottom line is this study looked at what motivates people to go to the gym all right quick break we'll be right back
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Elliot Connie, and this
1: is Family Therapy.
2: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
3: I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of.
1: Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And we are talking about a mega-study, one in nature, December 2021, that... Didn't look at just the efficacy of one program, one specific type of workout program. They looked at over 50, 53 to be exact, to compare how they worked and how well they worked against one another. And so these researchers went to 24-hour fitness. Okay, this is really interesting, right? Right out of the gate. (laughs) <laughs> this is some simple math that uh, even I can do, all right? So, at the time of the study, 24-Hour Fitness, over 4 million members, okay? 4 million. How many gyms? 450 locations. Well, let's do the math, shall we? So, unless I'm missing something, <laughs> which is, is possible, but that simple math... 4 million, and I'm going to keep it at 4 million, over. although it says over, 450 locations. That's exactly, if you divide 4 million by 450, 8,888. Let's round it up. 9,000 members. Now, this isn't what the study's about, but it bears discussion, warrants discussion, because I say all the time, Gyms want you to sign up and then go the heck away. 9,000 members. I don't know how big each and every one of these locations are. I assume they vary. Maybe not. Actually, I've never been into a 24-hour fitness. And as I say that, I need to get into one because I pride myself on experiencing everything in fitness at least once. But 9,000 members. is another reason I said in my book, Beat the Gym, one reason I never wanted to own a gym. And I did it for a couple of years and it reinforced everything I thought and more about why I didn't want to own a gym because the model is sign up. Now go the heck away. 9,000 members. So if 10% of those people showed up at the same time, 900, there would be chaos. So they are literally banking on the fact that people won't show up kind of important, not discussed in this study at all, but kind of important. All right. Uh, Yeah, I I don't want to own a gym where I'm praying that I sign up as many people as I can and then hope that most aren't successful at utilizing my product. That doesn't work for me. All right, enough. (laughs) But we, we had to discuss that quickly. So they had incredible access to this enormous group of people. I don't want to get, again, too deep into the specifics. of it. going to give you just enough so so we can discuss what matters. But they basically opened it up to all 4 million members and said, hey, we got a study going on. You can be part of it. All right? And if you're part of it, you earn a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card by just, just being part of the program, just registering. And three people were going to win that and did win that. And then they got the 62,000, what was it again? Yeah, over 60,000 people to sign up. And they divided them into 54 different groups. One being that control group where nothing was going to change, right? And then 53 uh, different conditions. And within each one, roughly almost 500, about 455 participants in each condition. All right. And in those 53 experimental conditions, they were going to have different interventions. And so let me give you what they all got. So all of those 53 groups did get the same thing to start. They were going to get workout reminders, okay? About 30 minutes before each workout, they were going to get a text, okay? They were going to have advice on how to plan the day and time of each workout. They were going to get that texted reminder about those plans, and they were going to get some kind of reward if they did work out, and it was only about 22 cents in reward points. So they called it micro-rewards. I've got my micro-workouts. They call it micro rewards. All right. And so they all were going to get that initial planning the workouts. Here's the days you're going to do it. You're going to get the texts so that they had kind of a baseline, right? A baseline to which to work from this basic package, as they called it, of motivational help. And then they got a little more specific. And that included what? Okay. So different things. They would get different types of incentives. You know, they could get an audio book, different things like that. Some were discouraged that missing uh, more than one planned workout in a row, they would get nine cents after missing that workout, right? So you missed a workout and then they would get nine cents to come back to the gym. And that turned out to be like one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful intervention. And we'll talk about that. Other groups were conveyed a message that exercise is popular. More and more people are doing it. And that worked a little bit, made the workouts more appealing and increased gym attendance by those people by about 24%. And by the way, the other group improved the one that got the nine cents by about 27%. By the way, I haven't even told you this was done for four weeks, four weeks. That's not long. So huge sample size, four weeks. Now, you can still find out things in four weeks, of course, but let's be honest, that like jumps out at you right away. You say, most people, New Year's resolution, you're good for like four weeks, maybe six, seven, eight. Now we're getting problematic, right? But four weeks is kind of doable. And they did look at certain behaviors and, and gym attendance after that, but I, I, I would have rather, I mean, obviously a huge sample size and lots of researchers and lots of work here, but it would have been good if it was longer than four weeks, right? And then one other limitation, kind of jumping ahead, but that's how I, that's how I do it. <laughs> uh, these were already gym members. These were already gym members. So we weren't getting people to the gym, were we? We were trying to get people who were already there to go a little bit more. And so when you hear these percentages, this is why, oh my gosh, I don't want to get into the statistics and all that kind of stuff at all. But when we just use percentages, so increase by 27%. Well, is that like twice more a month? It wasn't a heck of a lot. Now, statistically significant and things like that. But again, and and listen, this is great. We got huge study looking at behavior. I'm always going to look at the positive. We need much more of this. But even with a study this large and really well done and all of that kind of stuff. There's still going to be questions we need to ask. And so I don't want to go through all of the different uh, interventions, but it was things like that being told that, Hey, more and more people are exercising. So kind of trying to motivate people in that way, Um, getting different reward points. So one group earned about $1.75 every time they went to the gym. That's not a lot, but it's something right? So if you already have the gym membership, by the way, and uh, I think pretty sure that 24-hour fitness, roughly $30 to $60 per month. So that's not inexpensive. You know, there's so many $10 gyms now. So that's, there's something there too. You have to look at that. You know, how much you pay per month attracts a certain different clientele, certain different type of person, motivation-wise. Let's be honest. That's why the $10 gyms, can have 29,000 members because you don't feel that guilty if you don't go that frequently. All right. So another group, as I said, got that $1.75 every time they visited the gym. Another group's intervention was that they shared their workouts with their friends. So that was a social media intervention. Another group signed a fitness pledge to show up. You know, so is that going to make a difference? And then a, another group reflected on each workout and how it affected them. So really cool if you're someone like me who's really interested in, in behavioral change and human behavior and what people need to do. So they looked at so many different things. What'd they find? <laughs> uh, kind of crazy, right? That, that nine cents that were given people when they came back to the gym after missing a workout was the best performing intervention. One that rewarded participants to come back. So there's something there about, you know, falling off the wagon as we talk about. And then getting back on. So that's interesting. That's nine cents. Nine cents. (laughs) You know, so there's, there's, there's something to that. But I love this quote. Uh, you know, let's take one more break, and then I just have a couple quotes I want to give you, and then we're going to get into the takeaways and and my kind of different take on this whole study. But but I again think it's a great it's a great study. It's it's sorry, I wouldn't bring it to you people. <laughs> uh, but let's take a quick break. When we come back, and give you a couple of the really uh, interesting takeaway quotes from some of the researchers. We'll be
6: right back.
3: Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, we are talking about a mega study about human behavior, an awesome study. So let me give you... Just a great quote as we talk about the complexities of research and studies, especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition and motivation, because this isn't talked about enough. So one of the researchers said, and I quote, Many of the questions we study are very complex, and the standard methods using small samples and simple experimental designs are not up to the task of providing good insight. So this is why when I bring you studies, we talk about correlation and causation and all of that kind of stuff right amongst many other factors we're always going to look at the science but you just don't take it you know and say oh my gosh here's the answer no if it were that simple we wouldn't again have the problems that we have so we need to do the small studies the big studies all different types of studies and then kind of see what starts to overlap and things like that right but again behavior is super difficult to test And so we need to look at all of these different interventions and see what works for you. And that's where I'm getting to, right? So one of the three takeaways that they had from this study to really distill it down quickly for you is the workout schedule, planning, right? You hear that all the time. I've said it to you, you know, we need to have goals (laughs) and then we need to have a schedule, but it needs to be a flexible schedule because life gets in the way. So now we're getting into like, hey, when's the best time to work out? Probably when you're least likely to miss it, which is early in the morning. Does that work for everyone? No. Perfect example of the science. We can talk about about the hormonal differences, like the best time to work out physiologically. Who cares, though, people? If you hate getting up at 5 a.m., but you'll go to the gym after work at 5 p.m., then that's when you go. But planning is one of the three takeaways from this huge study and all these different interventions they looked at planning. And that can again be goal setting saying I'm going Monday, Wednesday, Friday, having that time, putting it into your schedule, into your outlook, into whatever you use for your calendar. And then we can start talking about, you know, using a class, having a workout buddy, all of that kind of stuff. We're going back to the same things, aren't we? Number two, having reminders. You know, those 30-minute texts these people got before. They were somewhat effective. And they also talk about, with that, having that training partner or a spouse. Someone to be accountable to. A trainer. Right? And finally, the small ways to reward yourself. Nine cents? $1.75? Really? That made a difference? Now, again, I'm going to argue That these people are already paying for the gym membership. And so anything to get them to go, to make them feel less guilty about not going, was going to be helpful. I've spent my life in the gym. As I say, working
5: in and working out. And this is where I want to end up. I don't know many people
4: who have been super successful... In their health and wellness plans and behavioral change that really focus on what we're talking about here. And so this is why I always say we need to look at the science, and then we need to look at what we're going to do, and then we need to study the people and emulate the people who have been successful. And when I started in this industry, whether it was with my workouts or wanting to be an author or wanting to, you know, have a a radio show and then a podcast, I studied the people who were the most like me or the most like I wanted to be, whether that was the body type or the type of writer and the, the, the content they wrote about. And I did what they did. And so this is all good when it comes to behavioral change. And the question I have is. Will this help people who aren't in the gym get to the gym? Well, that's not what we're looking at. These people already had memberships. And then what they're saying is, okay, 27%, maybe those people went to the gym one time more, two times more in a month. But before I forget, let me backtrack a little bit, they found that not surprisingly, 45% of the experimental conditions in the mega study outperformed the placebo. So those people who had no interventions, they were gym members, they weren't given anything, you know, they didn't get the text message, didn't get the planning, they didn't do as well, <laughs> right? So 45% outperformed the placebo, but 45% too. But what happened when it was over? Only 8% produced significant increases in the frequency of
5: gym visits. and. Significant, what is that to you? Is that one time? Is that two times? And so
4: awesome that they did this study. What a cool way to do it. Huge group. And I I think they're going to do many more like this. I'm already thinking, like, never done a study. Always wanted to. Having all of this technology now and all of these gym members and, and things like that. I've also. Years ago, wanted to, even before the uh, social media and phones were around, wanted to do a study that just looked at how, you know, how much time people actually spend working out in the gym. So you're there for an hour. How much time do people actually exercise? And this was pre-cell phones. Because I spent
5: so long in the gym. And I'd watch what people did.
4: And didn't do. So, I love this mega study design. And I'm super impressed because it's not easy to do, which is one reason it's not done frequently. But let's get back to what I was kind of wrapping it up with here. We need to find what we enjoy. Right? And we need to stop focusing on two things in exercise and health and wellness. Weight loss and going to the gym. Weight loss and going to the gym. That is what has been just shoved down, you know, shoved down your throats for years. That That is the, the, the secret to success. You have to go to the gym. Absolutely not. And you have to focus on weight loss. You shouldn't. It'll come, but you shouldn't focus on it. And if COVID has taught us anything, it's what I've been preaching for decades, that exercising at home... It's super easy and convenient, and in the time it takes you to go to the gym, you can be done at home. I still go to the gym, but I do the vast majority of my moving outside the gym. And so, sure, gyms will always be around, and it'll be a part of it, and weight loss will always be one of the top goals of people, but I don't want it to be. I want us to exercise because you like it. Eat foods because you, healthy foods, because you enjoy them. And I'm here to tell you, every single one of you can get to that point. It's not in these studies at all. Talk to people who have been successful and there's not enough. I'm constantly looking for the David Garcias, who was a guy I had on the show, who lost well over hundred pounds and kept it off for many, many years. And it is complex. This is why we look at evolution and how the world we live in today, we did not evolve to live in. There is a lot going on, but you have so many people giving you such bad advice when in the end, it's not about deprivation and it's not about doing things that you don't enjoy. If you don't like going to the gym, don't go to the gym. You know, let me be really brutally honest. You know, I had friends over the years who'd say, you know, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> See, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to, oh, in my advanced age, at my advanced age, I I can, you know, I'm just going to let it go. Uh, suffice it to say, what I was going to allude to is that it, going to the gym is not the be all end all, at all, when it comes to health and wellness. What you consume at home with your food, that's way more important at the outset than whether or not you go to the gym and get on an elliptical for an hour, three times a week. And so as great as all this is, when we talk about exercise and we talk about motivation, why are we talking about motivation to go to the gym? I don't want to, I don't, I have very little motivation to go to the gym anymore. And when I do go to the gym, it's because my kids are there doing sports and I'm working out while they're working out. And again, I spent, Vast majority of my 20s and 30s and, you know, early 40s in the gym as well. But it was a balance and it was because part of my job. But my point is, is, you know, it is not a marker of your success with your fitness program. how many times you go to the gym or what the number is on that scale. And active people are active people. And I would argue that many people are just like I am in as much as As you get older and you spent maybe more time in the gym in your younger days, you just want to be outside enjoying the fact that you can be. And you've earned the right to be. You're relatively injury-free. And you can go for your runs and bike rides and and play your recreational sports and ski and do all those things. Go for walks. But my point is, in a very convoluted, roundabout way, these studies are awesome. We're going to look at them all, the good ones. Or the, the better ones. And we'll break down the bad ones too. Actually, I've done that. So I don't want to exclude those either. Because they're all learning experiences. But you got to find what motivates you. Is it nine cents? Is it a trainer? Is it a text message? Is it a workout partner? Is it all of the above? This is the experimentation. This is why I bring you so many different shows. And so many different people. Because I want something to resonate with you. And then several things. And you're going to go, you know what? I really like that Dr. Brad Schoenfeld's advice with strength training. I'm going to try that. And you know what? That high-intensity interval show, maybe not for me as much, but I'm going to focus on this other thing. So it's taking all of this information, distilling it down, And realizing that, yes, at the end of the day, it does come down to motivation. But I don't want you to beat yourself up because you can't drag yourself to the gym. And I don't want you to beat yourself up because the number on the scale is not moving as fast as you want it to. When we take our focus off of both of those things and move because it feels good, it gets really easy. And one final takeaway that I really want the focus to get to, I liked when they had the intervention where they talked about how more people are exercising. So they kind of lied, I think, if I read it correctly. <laughs> they're just trying to tell people that exercise is good. You should do it because everyone's doing it, you know, peer pressure in a good way maybe. But I truly do it not only because it feels good. That's the short term for me. Absolutely that hit. Oh, my gosh. I live for that. It feels good. It feels much better than the alternative. And then there's the long-term that I know. And every single time I eat a healthy meal, I know what good I've done for my body. And that feels good. And I know the long-term benefits. But we are not told that. We are told to focus on the scale. You're not believing, embracing how important, how valuable, how powerful it is to eat healthy foods. It's not about what you don't eat as much as what you do. Because we get so many benefits from consuming fruits and vegetables and lean sources of protein and healthy fats. Our bodies and our minds. And yeah, this is like third, fourth, fifth level stuff, but you can get there. You start small. And if you love going to the gym, I don't want you to feel like you shouldn't. Awesome. Again, Spent the better part of my lifetime in those four walls. But it's what works for you. Enough. All right. Again, if you want to read that study, Mega Studies improve the Impact of Applied Behavioral Science. Really interesting. And again, it's, there's a lot there. Didn't want to bore you with all of the particulars, but I think you got what you needed to. I know you did. And that was December 2021. Nature, thank you for listening. You want to reach out. And again, if you were part of this study, I'd love to hear from you. love to hear your experience in it. 24-hour fitness members, 9,000 people a club. By the way, that's the average. So, <laughs> and I've, I've heard of clubs, 20,000 members, crazy numbers. I'm not sure. They rarely release them. I'd love to hear from you. Tom H. Fit is Instagram. Any questions, comments, Tom H. Fit is Twitter. You can direct message me right through there. You can go to fitnessdisrupted.com as well. And one final kind of thought about gyms and membership. My, one of my first, when I really, you know, said, hey, I'm doing this as a career. I was working at a gym in New York City, you know, 17-hour days. And I remember I just wanted to learn everything I could. And the general manager, one day I said, you know, how, how many members can this gym hold? I said, and, and how do you compute that? Is it like square footage? Like what's the formula that you use to determine the capacity, the number of members? When do you cap it? I think is what I said to her too. And she laughed and she laughed and she laughed. I'll never forget it. It's like mid 90s. She said, we just keep signing them up. Just let that sink in when you think that gyms are the be-all end-all, all All right? It's what works for you. All right. Thank you for listening. I am Tom Holland. This is Fitness Disrupted. Believe in yourself. Fitness Disrupted is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
1: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie.